0: Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 211 of the podcast, or you're joining me live on Facebook or YouTube. Today, Sunday, October the 4th. And I told you guys last week, September came and went, huh? Everything's kind of flying by. We had our first presidential debate of the election season on Tuesday night. That was the real biggest fight of the week. Uh, Not going to get into too much detail on that one. I just... uh, I just got tequila drunk and enjoyed the fuck out of it. I I don't, I don't get too much into my political persuasions here. And uh, if you guys are here coming and looking for me to tell you who to vote for, uh, then this country is truly fucked. Uh, the, The most I'll give you on my political beliefs is summed up by my shirt. For those of you watching the video version, I am an anti prohibitionist. So Whichever one of these nut jobs is looking to bring back prohibition, that's the one I'm not going to vote for. Uh, I know they were both alive during prohibition, probably. So it's got to be in the back of their minds somewhere. And I am definitely against that. So no prohibition, Trump and Biden. You hear me? I know you're both listening. Wild times, man. Wild times. Uh, President of the United States is in quarantine because he got the coronavirus. Uh crazy things happening out there. Lots of MMA. I'm solo today, if you couldn't tell. So feel free to join in on the conversation, folks that are tuning in here. Uh just started getting a little cool here in Florida. By a little cool, I mean like below eighty degrees, still like shorts weather by any means, but uh I I decided to jump into the spirit of the season and I picked up some Oktoberfest beer. Um haven't been drinking a whole lot of beer lately. Uh, just trying to, you know, drop the quarantine weight. And, you know, beer doesn't help with that. So, I've been drinking a lot of tequila lately. But here we are Bitburger, Fest beer, or Oktoberfest beer. Uh, so, I don't know about you guys. The first Oktoberfest beer I became familiar with was the Sam Adams, which is like, I believe they've changed the recipe since it first came out, but I remember it being like a really rich, like kind of sweet, like very fall spice forward beer, uh, which is very much not what the German style. Oktoberfest beers are this one, this Fest beer by Bitburger actually comes from Bitburg, Germany, which is in the Eastern part of Germany, just North of Luxembourg. Uh, like right near the border of Belgium. Sorry. I know you guys aren't here for a geography lesson either, luckily. Uh, So right near Belgium. So you have a lot of like really interesting influences for the beer making process here, but they stick, they stay true to uh, the German Oktoberfest style. It's very light. It, It is a little bit on the bitter side, but... I feel like they balance that bitterness out a little bit because the the bitter flavor is what turns me off of a lot of uh, German beers. You, you know, I guess they're meant to be paired with like sauerkraut and stuff, and uh, I don't really eat stuff like that. But uh, this one is very nice, very balanced. It does have like a little sweetness on the back end. Yeah, very light, very fresh, uh, a nice fall beer. You know, I drink this and it makes me feel like the leaves are changing colors, even though they're not because it's Florida and it's still almost 80 degrees out. So here we are coming off of UFC on ESPN 16, headlined by Bantamweights, Holly Holm, and Renny Aldana. I'm just going to call her Irene because it makes things easier for me. I like when things are easier for me. Uh, so this was, uh, you know, we're back, back to fight Island again. Uh, I guess the next couple of cards are going to be here, uh, going into, going into November. I think the fight cards are all going to be fight Island going forward. Um, so this main event, man, very one-sided for Holly Holm. I know a lot of people happy about that one. If you're the UFC, I, I don't know if you're if you're happy with this result because you know Holly is probably the biggest female star you have right now. I know a lot of you are immediately gonna start telling me Amanda Nunez and and uh, Valentina Shevchenko and yeah, you can make those arguments, but I mean as far as having a presence amongst casual fans. Uh, I just feel like Amanda Nunez and Shevchenko just don't don't get that push uh, that they that they de- that they definitely deserve because they're they're badass chicks. Um, Holly Holm, though, you know her her record is a tough one, man, because you know she kept getting put in these main events and these and these title shots, and uh, you know was losing a bunch of them. Uh, but she looked phenomenal last night, so you know, they say like, you're only as good as your last fight. And and she looked incredible. Uh, You could tell the game plan from Aldana. Aldana was to try and land that big left hook of hers. Uh, But, you know, Holly kept circling away from it, which, which is interesting because normally you want to circle, you want to circle away from the power hand. But since she's aware of Aldana's power in that lead hook, uh, she was circling the other way and, since since it was a Southpaw Orthodox matchup, it's kind of okay to circle towards that power hand because you're you're standing a little farther back as a Southpaw. If that makes sense. If it doesn't, then uh, you know, forget I said anything. Don't even worry about it. Uh, but yeah, Holly did a great job controlling range um, in every sense. You know, she was able to keep distance when she wanted to keep distance with that front leg side kick and with her jab, and she was able to close the distance when she wanted to close the distance. Her wrestling was the best we've ever seen it. I mean, she took down Aldana at will. Now I know I, I wasn't listening to the broadcast on this. You guys know, I, I tend to keep the volume down on it because I don't, I don't like to be influenced too much, but, um, I know leading into this fight, they were trying to push the narrative about Aldana having the second highest takedown defense only to John Jones, uh, in the UFC. Now, don't let that be a misleading fact. I mean, it is, it is an impressive statistic, but she hasn't fought a whole lot of, uh, grapplers during her time in the UFC. Um, you know, it it's been mostly standout fighters. If you look at look at her record, Caitlin Vieira in the last fight. Um you know, she had the split decision loss to Raquel Pennington. Before that, it was Betch Korea. Um it, you know, mostly girls who are known. Maybe the best grappler she fought was Caitlin Chukagian back in two thousand seventeen. Um but, yeah, it's not like she's been in there with a bunch of women who were trying to take her down, and, and she's always stuffing their takedowns. That being said, all credit to Holly Holm. Her wrestling looked phenomenal. Um, you, you know, I, th- I, I think it looked the, the best it's ever looked. She took that fight to the ground at will. Uh, she was picking the perfect opportunities to take the fight to the ground. And, um, y- you know, she really she really put the fight out of Aldana's hands. I got to give credit to both of these women for their cardio, uh, because they both still looked pretty good at the end of the fight. You know, Al- Aldana never really e- I mean, she showed signs of slowing down, but she didn't show like real signs of fatigue, in my opinion, especially with all the body shots she was taking all those, all those, uh, sidekicks to the midsection. Uh, I don't think it, it knocked the wind out of her nearly as much as it should have. Uh, so you could tell she was conditioned for five round fights. And Holly Holm, of course, you know, we know she's always in shape to do 25 rounds. So no surprise there. Um, Carlos Felipe getting a win over Jorgen De Castro. Uh, I, I I apologize, guys. I built this fight up last week to be something that it was not. Uh, I thought it was gonna be like these guys kind of throwing bombs at each other. Um, these guys are are both guys that to me look like they could be fighting at 185 pounds um there there's just no there's no need to be to be carrying that much extra weight and then you know when you don't get that early knockout and you guys are both kind of sluggish in there and it turns into like a sumo wrestling match um it, it's not that entertaining. You know the the fast knockouts are great um you know great highlight reels and and they're fun and and these both both of these guys have have great personalities they're very like dynamic dudes but when those early knockouts don't come it's nobody wants to watch that so I i don't know what the solution is here but I think somebody was was mentioning that maybe Felipe fight tied to Yavasa next uh, so that, that could be a fun one I'm all for that. I got to tell you guys, um, I had an interesting experience recently. I just uh, reconnected with a buddy of mine from college who actually really got me into MMA. I was always kind of interested and I always kind of watched it, but he was the guy and I'm not going to tell you his name uh, because I, I think he, he's trying to keep himself on on the down low um he, he was the guy that would tell me like oh you have to watch this fight and he's the one who or this fight or that fight or hey the, the um the fight night's coming up uh on wednesday we, you know we got to watch it you know and do you know he would make sure like i was watching everything and um he you know he would tell me how he was he, he was doing jujitsu and stuff and you know, made it sound more impressive than it, than it probably was, but you know, he was training with Matt, Sarah and stuff. And, uh, after college, he, uh, we, we hung out a few times cause he's from long Island. And then he, uh, he moved to Japan for a while and I guess changed his phone number and, um, shut all his social media off and, uh, hadn't been in contact with him in years. And I randomly sent him an email and then, sent me his phone number, and we've been talking MMA and whiskey. It turns out we're into a lot of the same whiskeys and stuff, but I think everybody has that person who kind of got them into MMA, right? Uh, It's just this kind of sport where it's not like a football game where anybody on the street, you can just talk to them about it. You know, there's there's a small community of people that, that are really into this sport. So uh, I want you guys to reach out to me on social media. Tell me about the person who got you into MMA and, and if there was a cool story behind it, you know, were you training at a jujitsu gym and you and you started watching MMA or did MMA make you want to start training or just none of the above? Was there just a friend of yours who was a big fan and they made you a big fan too? So reach out to me at MMA on the Rocks Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. And uh, I want to hear your stories. Um, it, it's always it's always good to hear from you guys. I've heard both positive and negative feedback about me doing the solo shows. Uh, I do have a guest um, coming on the show next week, so it will not be a solo show. Some people said they they miss Jeff, but uh, you know they they like me going off the cuff uh, solo, which is what I do. I just sit here and, and have drinks and and I talk for an hour without stopping, whatever comes out is, is what you get. Um, and then other people say that they just really miss Jeff and they, they, they want to hear me going back and forth. So let me hear your opinion on that too, because I've heard from quite a few people, but, uh, I think I need just a few more to, to make up my mind as far as what's going to go down the next few weeks. while while Jeff is still on his hiatus, if how hard I'm going to work to, uh, to obtain some, some guest hosts here. Uh, let's talk about Jermaine Durandamy guillotine choke in the third round against Juliana Pena. Uh, I think nobody saw this coming. Uh, if you bet, if you bet on Jermaine Durandamy by submission, uh, you probably cashed in a, a nice paycheck. I don't know what the odds were on that, but obviously she's, she's a world class striker, you know, world class Muay Thai fought a man for God's sakes. I know I know nobody ever lets you forget that. That's it. you you probably don't even even if you don't know much about MMA, if you if you know who Jermaine Durandeau is, you know that she fought a man in Muay Thai. <laughs> um but man, she she looked good in this fight. Um she looked real loose in there. She looked comfortable and uh you know, she even looked comfortable with the takedown attempts from uh, from Pena in there, who's, uh, you know, a very good grappler, very good wrestler. I want to say what's up to my buddy Henzo Altuna tuning in all the way from Peru. Salute, my friend. Um, yeah. So me, uh snatches this high elbow guillotine, palm to palm high elbow. Now this is something you you have to have long arms to pull this off. Uh, it's a very tight choke. Uh, it can put people unconscious very quickly, but it, it's difficult to put on somebody, you know, especially, especially someone who's coming in the right way with like, like Juliana Pena was, you know, she came in, uh, on a single and transitioned to a double leg and had her head on the outside. But usually with your head on the outside with the double leg, you're, you're pretty safe as long as you're you know, keep your back straight and keep your chin up. It's usually a pretty safe spot, but Durandome was able to kind of manipulate the position of Pena's head. And she was able to get that high elbow and uh, put her unconscious. Uh, so th- yeah, a lot of people were not expecting that. It's the first submission victory of her career. Uh, I don't know what you do with Jermaine Durandome, man, because she did have a close fight with the champ Amanda Nunez, but she's just... She's not liked a, a lot of people still have a bad taste in their mouth from when she I I guess was supposedly ducking Cyborg, uh, you know, when she won that 145 pound championship and then kind of just gave the belt up and moved back to 135. A lot of people were not happy with her about that. Uh, I think she made a few enemies within the UFC with that move as well. And then, you know, she lost to Amanda Nunez, but, uh, you know, she definitely had her spots in that fight. It's not like she got totally dominated. You know, she rocked Amanda a couple times, uh, looked good on the feet, forced Amanda to bring the fight to the ground. Um, So I don't know. I don't know what you'd do with her. Um, As far as Juliana Pena, you know, maybe match her up with Aldana. And, and those two can both work their way back up the ladder. Uh, it's unfortunate because this is a division where the champ is, is tied up for a little while because, you know, she just had a baby for her partner, had a baby, which is a beautiful thing. And, but we don't know how much time she's going to take, uh, before she's back in action. She's, uh, you know, she's got the belts in two divisions, And uh, this bantamweight division, man, is kind of lean. I'm thinking that a rematch between Duran and me and Aspen Ladd is probably appropriate just because the last one ended kind of funny, you know, with that early stoppage that, you know, Aspen Ladd uh, to this day says she wasn't out. And it was a kind of a weird one. So why not run that back? Um, That would definitely make sense. So, uh, we'll see what they're going to do. Uh, Kyler Phillips with a, a very impressive performance over Cameron else. Uh, this guy is very dynamic, um, very unorthodox striking, uh, great movement on the ground, great control on the ground. Uh, you know, the few times he was on top, he just kept constantly moving, even if it gave, else the opportunity to get back up. Uh, He just kind of went with it. So that was kind of, that was, that was a fun fight. Uh, He was a little worked up at the end of it, you know, screaming in the opponent's face and and stuff like that. I know a lot of people don't approve, but uh, you know, the kid looked good. Uh, Dusko Todorovic uh, with with the win over Daquan Townsend. Um, This was, this was a very one-sided fight. Uh, he finally got the TKO in the second round where he was on top of him and, and just dropping bombs, and, and Townsend wasn't unconscious by any stretch, but you know Jason Herzog was in there. He did a good job of ending this one, I think, um, stopped Townsend from taking any unnecessary damage because he took a lot of unanswered blows to the head in this fight, not just at the end of it, th- throughout the whole fight. Um, uh, Todorovic was very... Precise, very calculated on the feet, um, good control on the ground, um, and and really took it to Townsend here. So that that was an impressive victory. Uh, Buddy Mark from Australia. What's going on, Mark? Sending his greetings from Down Under. Says he really liked the prelims in particular. We'll get there, buddy right now we're on Carlos Condit and Court McGee. And this was a fight I was excited for. Uh, I thought it was going to be a lot grittier than it was. I hope, uh, I I hope, I hope I'm expressing that properly, but yeah, I thought, uh, this was a great performance for Carlos Condit. And I remember somebody was saying on Twitter last night, like, why, why is this fight on the prelims? And it was the featured prelims. Uh, and, and that's a simple answer. Carlos Condit has lost his last five and court McGee is one and four in his last fight, five fights. Um, so that's why I was on the prelims, even though these guys are both legendary. And it's so funny cause these guys, it seems like they've been around forever. They're only like 35 and 36 respectively. But uh, this was the most comfortable we've seen Carlos Condit look in a long time. He controlled the distance well. It seemed like he was landing at will. It seemed like he was having fun again. Uh, you know, after after his last few fights, it seemed like he just didn't want it anymore. And I, I don't know what changed in his personal life or in his training or, or whatever else, but this was the first time in a long time we've seen a game Carlos Condit, who was comfortable in that cage, he wasn't the natural born killer that we've come to know and love. Um, he, you know, he he dialed back the aggression quite a bit. Uh, if you guys remember the old days of of Carlos Condit and the WEC and even in the UFC, like when he fought Dan Hardy, uh, the, the guy would see red and he would just be an absolute killer in there, um, which is great but it's not really a sustainable style. So I'm glad to see him back in the wind column and I'm glad to see him composed in there. He smashed the fuck out of court McGee's nose. Uh, you know, court McGee is going to be able to join the Andre Arlovsky nose hall of fame after last night. Uh, Cause his nose was just smashed. It looked like it, it looked like when you take like a piece of silly putty and you put it on a table and just smash it like hammer fist it. It, it was, it was completely mushed in. Um, so yeah, kind gave him the, the, the old Arlovsky nose job in there. Cheers to everybody tuning in right now. If you missed the beginning of the show, I was talking about how I'm drinking some Fest beer, uh, German beer from Bitburg, Germany. Very delicious, a little spicy, not too bitter. Just the way I like my Oktoberfest beers. And, and yeah, Mark reminds me that uh Court fixed his own nose during the fight, but unfortunately by the end, it, it was beyond repair. As as good as a self nose surgeon, he probably is. Um couldn't bring that one back. Uh and then we had a draw between Charles Jordan and Joshua Kulibau. Uh this was a fun fight. You know, it was back and forth. Um the one judge gave it. 3027 at Kulibao. I don't know where that came from. Uh I I can't really tell you who won this fight. Uh, I'm I'm good with a split draw here. Um yeah, I think a lot of people were upset about this draw, but you know, it happens. And then here was another one. Nasordine, Imavov, and Jordan Williams. So Jordan Williams is an interesting character because he came through the contender series. He looked phenomenal on there. Uh, He's got great knockout power. (laughs) What's unusual about this guy is he's a type one diabetic, uh, which is a pretty serious medical condition, especially for a professional athlete, especially for a professional fighter uh, where you have to constantly be maintaining your weight and the calories that you take in while at the same time, uh, controlling your insulin and your blood sugar. Um, so I imagine that presents a lot of challenges. Um, he, he just plain faded in this fight and, and Imova was able to run away with it towards the end. You know, he comes out really strong and, uh, it's kind of puzzling why he fades. I don't know if it has anything to do with the diabetes and I know because of the diabetes, he doesn't cut a lot of weight. He came in at 182 for this fight. So I don't know if that's just what he walks around at or if he cut extra weight uh, or if he felt like he had to cut extra because of the travel or, he, you know, something was thrown off. But it, it's a big concern for me that he fights with this medical condition. Um, now, I'm not one to tell anybody what to do or especially with their career or what they do for a living. But um, I'd be concerned if I were someone close to Jordan Williams. Um, That being said, I mean, he looked good. Um, You know, he definitely had his moments in the, in the fight. And um, he was in some tough submissions, uh, some tough chokes from Imovav and he was using very unusual escape tactics. He was kind of like turning himself into the chokes a couple of times. Um, and then just kind of Gator rolled out of a few of them. Uh, not very technical, but very effective. So uh, yeah. And, and Imovov just kind of stayed consistent throughout the whole fight and kept the pressure on uh, kept you know, going for looking for those submissions. Uh, he he was good at locking the chokes up, but he wasn't necessarily over committing. Um, you, you know, he was able to still come out on top whenever Williams escaped. Uh, I thought this was a fun fight, but yeah, you got to wonder why Williams faded so hard towards the end of this fight when he came in so light. Um, so I don't know if there's something he could fix with his diet. And go down to 170, that'd be a big change, though. But if he's walking around at 182, um, that would be a 12-pound cut. So he makes a little a few changes in his diet. He probably wouldn't have to cut that much weight to get down there. Um, but you know, I'm not a nutritionist, I'm not his coach. Uh, but that's probably the conversation I would be having with him after that performance. Uh let's see, Lima Boone me. Uh, getting the unanimous decision over Jin Yu Frey. Uh, I thought Lukbumi looked great in this fight. Uh, she's got that traditional Muay Thai style, uh, very calm, very relaxed, and uh, Frey is like is huge for this division. I mean, she looks so muscular for 115 pounds, but uh, Lukbumi looked good. Uh, her Her ground game troubles me a little bit. And then the other thing I've I've talked about this about her in the past is she's got that traditional Thai style, which is great. As long as you know how to translate it to MMA, for example, in Muay Thai, they, they fight three rounds similar to MMA. uh, But they usually use the first round as a feeling out process. Uh, and, And by example, they won't throw any elbows uh, and they won't throw any like head kicks in that first round. Usually, uh, it, it's like a warming up process and she, she has shown improvement on that, but she still seems a little bit laid back in that first round. Um, so I, I would like to see her a little bit more aggressive, um, and work on the ground game a little bit more, but I, I think that her base is so strong that she's going to have a successful career in the UFC. and then Casey Kenny uh just beat the snot out of uh Alatang. Uh this was this was bad man. I mean his whole rib cage was bruised up, battered, tenderized. And I was just talking last week about how like you never see the the ribs turn purple so fast. I don't know what's going on in the UFC. Uh maybe it's just a conspiracy to prove that I don't know what I'm talking about, but here we have it, two weeks in a row, purple ribs. Uh, but yeah, he was getting nailed with some body shots. He was blocking every jab with his face, uh, which is not <laughs> for those of you who who don't know a lot about striking. That's that's not what you want to do. You know, usually you want to get away from those punches or or block them like with your hands. You know, something that hurts a little less. No way. Not Alatang. He was blocking every single jab that came his way with his face. He was he was headbutting Casey Kenny's fist. Uh, <laughs> so uh Casey Kenny looks great, man. It, it's amazing that he wasn't able to put Alatang away. That that guy is, is really tough, but um yeah, a lot of holes in that striking game that he's gonna have to figure out like like a different blocking strategy for for strikes, you know other than, like, using your eye sockets to, to, uh, to parry punches. Uh, <laughs> he's like, I'll just hurt his hands on my head. Uh, first fight of the night, Luigi Benjamini, uh, coming back from, from a, a big loss in his last fight where he almost died. It looked like uh, getting the, the first round head kick knockout over Justin Iari. Um, this was an impressive one, man. Uh, the, and the way he threw the head kick. So for those of you who didn't watch the the, the earlier fights, the way he threw the head kick, he was at very close range, um, which shows a lot of flexibility, a lot of dexterity from Vendermini. Uh So the fact that he was able to land that and then you know followed it up with a with a quick combination as well, very impressive performance from Luigi Vengermany. So that's it, man. This was a fun. Card I mean it was pretty strong I'd say the only The only lull in the action Was maybe that heavyweight co-main event Which you know If I had to predict for you that would be the lull In the action and maybe some people enjoyed That fight maybe I'm being a little too harsh But uh, I was I just had in my head A, a different way That it was going to go So that's that US UFC on ESPN 16 We'll put a bow on that Now let's talk next week, October 10th, UFC fight night, 179. It's so confusing the way they number these. It's, uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it's on ESPN one week and then it's fight night, whatever number the next week. Cheers to my buddy, Cody, former training partner until he went and moved away to the other side of Florida. Might as well be on Jupiter. Um, Yeah, so this is Fight Night 179. Marlon Moraes and Corey Sandhagen. And it's interesting. I was listening to how they were previewing this. And they made it seem like Corey Sandhagen has been on this meteoric rise in the bantamweight division, which confuses me because I saw his last fight and it was against Aljamain Sterling where he got absolutely smoked. Uh, Just... Just steamrolled in the first round and, and got choked in like a minute and a half. Uh, so it's interesting how they're kind of billing this fight. And obviously, Mar- Marlon Marlon Rice, you know, one of the top bantamweights on the planet, uh, maybe the best bantamweight on the planet on any given night. Uh, coming off of that split decision win over Jose Aldo uh, almost a year ago in December 2019. So he's been out for a long time, um, and so Sandhagen's going to be looking to bounce back from from that loss uh, to Aljamain Sterling, which took a lot of wind out of his sails. Um, and uh, Marlon Morris is going to be looking to shake the rust off. So I, I don't know what we're going to see here. We're going to see, you know, uh, a Marlon Morris who who's going to be coming out guns blazing like we're used to him or are we going to see him kind of temper it back a little bit because he doesn't want to blow all his energy because he's been out of there for almost a year um it, you know he he's a big 135er he's been known to to kind of fade in fights in the past uh, he, he's known to be a really dangerous first round fighter and uh what are we going to see from cory Sandhagen? are we going to see the the methodical and thoughtful Corey Sandhagen that we're used to, or are we going to see a guy who's coming out there trying to redeem himself and anticipating a high pace Marlon Morice in that first round? Um, the answer, I don't know. You'll have to tune in and watch for yourselves. Uh, mm-hmm. UFC should be uh, should be paying me to do these promos here. Uh, I actually got somebody to sign up for ESPN Plus yesterday as well, miraculously. Um, as, as little as I endorse that, (laughs) that channel and as shitty as it can be, um, you know, it's sometimes the only place you can get the UFC stuff. So I kind of talk somebody into it. Um, I don't know if I feel bad or if I feel proud that I was able to do that. And Cody tells me that he is in Jupiter. So I'm glad he put that joke together. Because I said might as well be on Jupiter, but he is in Jupiter, Florida. Hopefully, still training jujitsu out there. Co-main event, fight 9 This is going to be an awesome fight. Makwana Miracani and Edson Barbosa. Uh, this is a big jump in competition for Miracani. Uh, and it's a fast turnaround, too. I'm gonna check real quick when the last time he fought was but it feels like it was just a few weeks ago for Mr. Finland here. And yeah, Danny Henry, July 11th. All right, so it wasn't that long ago. It seems like it just happened. And it and it was a quick fight. He got that anaconda choke early in the first round. Um, this is an interesting one. Both really good strikers. I, I would give Amir Khani the grappling advantage here. But, uh, you know, good luck taking Edson Barbosa down. And, and getting close enough to him and, and dealing with those leg kicks on the way in. So this is, this is a really fun fight. This is a really good uh, top of the card here. I feel like a lot of people are sleeping on this card. Uh, Barbosa, of course, coming off that really close split decision loss to Dan gay. A lot of people, myself included. Uh, thought Barbosa should have won that one, but. You know, that's just the way it goes. And he had the split decision loss to uh, Paul Felder. And after that one is when he moved down to featherweight. So uh, this is going to be interesting. You know, Barbosa, really a guy who should be a lightweight, in my opinion, uh, uh, against a guy who, in Americani, who's not going to get tired at featherweight, uh, who, who's, who's going to have a, a pretty decent cut. And, uh, yeah, that's a really exciting one. And then we got the heavyweights, Ben Rothwell and Marcin Tabura. That's a fun fight. Um, you, you know, Ben Rothwell is having a bit of a resurgence as of late. Uh, coming on two two straight wins. So he his last fight, he had the win over Ovin St. Prue. That was a weird fight. But before that, he had the knockout of Stefan Struve. Uh, so, you know, it seems like he's on the upswing here and, and, uh, Tabura is, is always tough, you know, really good grappler, really well-rounded and he's got two wins in a row too. All right. So this is interesting. Tabura is young for heavyweight, 34 years old. That's like, he's a freshman for the heavyweight division. <laughs> uh, let's see. Marcus Perez. And Plessis, Plessis, I can't pronounce his name, so we won't get into that one. Uh, (laughs) Alan Badeau against Tom Aspinall. Uh, Aspinall made his debut, I believe it was right before the pandemic happened, uh, and and he looked phenomenal. The guy is 8-2, all finishes, seven knockouts, one submission. He's taking this on short notice. Okay, so, yeah, it was July. So it wasn't before the pandemic Man, my calendar is all messed up I can't remember when anything happened But yeah, made his debut against Jay Collier, 45 second knockout Back in July That was on the Whitaker versus Till card uh, Alan Badeau If you haven't seen him He's the guy, he's got the Mr. T haircut I don't know if that's intentional or if that's just his thing uh, But Big dude, 6'3 uh, He's from France Seven knockouts, um, and this is his UFC debut. So this is a fun one, man. This is like they're they're bringing in these two heavy hitters that knock out everybody. Hopefully, we don't get the same situation we had last night with uh, Jorgen De Castro and and Carlos Felipe. Hopefully, you know this one kind of delivers. But Aspinall taking this on very late notice i believe a week's notice so should be fun what else we got here i'm going to give you guys a sleeper fight that you may not notice and it's way down on the prelims giga chikadze and omar morales so omar is a uh, 10 and 0 and Chikadze is one of these fighters that's coming out of Georgia which we're seeing more and more of them um and his striking is very impressive uh he's got all decisions in the UFC so far but i feel like he's just kind of finding his rhythm and i i expect a really fun fight between Chikadze and Morales i think I think this is just going to be a good matchup where one of these guys is going to emerge as you know, the next big thing in this lightweight division and it is not the debut for Morales. He's had a couple of fights in the UFC. Uh, He had a a knockout on a contender series and then he's got two decision wins. I'm predicting that we're going to see one of these guys have a breakout night and have, uh, a career performance here uh, So let's keep an eye on that fight On the on the early prelims uh, And then I'll give you guys one more Impa Kasangane against Joaquin Buckley uh, That's going to be a fun one Kasangane is undefeated 8-0 And uh, Buckley 10-3 So both of these guys fairly young in their career and uh, Buckley's coming off that that TKO loss to Kevin Holland in August, but I I wouldn't measure him by that. Uh, you know, this is a guy who's got he's got heavy hands for this welterweight division. He's got seven knockouts out of his ten wins. I think that's going to be a fun fight. Very fun fight. All right, cool. So we had a lot of fun action over the weekend. There was some Bellator. Um, I didn't watch it, but if you guys did, and there was anything worth watching, please do let me know, uh, reach out to me on social media. I'm really enjoying this, uh, Oktoberfest beer here. I just made some chili with it. If you guys want to check that out, uh, I did a little Instagram story talking about it. Uh, it's not nearly cold enough out to be having chili. I'm still wearing shorts today by example, but you know, it was colder than it's been here in Florida. It's not like you start sweating as soon as you walk outside, like it was all summer. It was a brutal summer. So I'm glad to have a little relief from that. And on the rocks t-shirts are on sale through our friends at team Reaper teamreaper Reaper one.co is the website. I believe I'll put the link uh, right in the show notes here, wherever you happen to be listening or viewing or consuming this podcast. And, uh, hoodies are available too. So if it is actually fall weather, wherever you are listening or watching from, uh, then grab yourself an a man, the rocks hoodie. Uh, those are available too. And I'll post the link for those down in the show notes as well. Wherever you're listening, please do leave me a review. It helps people find the show. It helps me out. Um, I can brag about it to my friends. Um, I don't brag about it to my friends. I I very rarely even talk. You could you you could probably know me for years and not know that I do a podcast. You know me, my personal life. Um, in any case, all that stuff is on sale. And and even if you don't want an MMA on the Rocks T-shirt or hoodie, uh, go check out what they have over there at Team Reaper because. They they give a lot of money to charities, different charities. They're doing a lot of stuff for breast cancer awareness this month. Um, yeah, they they work with some veterans charities as well, and then they sponsor a lot of local fighters. Um, so go help out a local fighter by buy their t shirt from Team Reaper. Uh, they they take care of the local fighters very well. Um, you know they give them a good commission on the t shirt sales. Uh, so. If you have a local fighter in the Tampa area, actually they sponsor fighters everywhere. But if you have a local fighter who fights for Team Reaper, you could really help them out. Um, you know it's it's a takes a lot of sacrifice to get into this sport and you gotta have money to eat clean and pay for good training and things like that. So it's always good to help out these these local fighters and then you get yourself a t-shirt in the process. So go do that. If you don't want to support this podcast, then go support a fighter. You know, I'm good with either. It's all good energy that you're putting out there. I think that's all I got. Um, I do want to hear from you guys, though. Uh, Remember your homework. Let me know who got you into MMA. I want to hear those stories. And I also want to hear what your favorite Oktoberfest beers are because I have a feeling I'm going to be diving in a couple of different ones uh, for the month. Uh, I do have my favorites, uh, my go-tos. This was a new one the Fest beer uh, from Bitburger, but I, I, I did really enjoy this one. I would drink this one again. Uh, so as always, this podcast has been brought to you by whatever I'm drinking during this podcast. And in this case, it's uh Fest beer from Bitburg, Germany. All right, folks, I think I'm taking up enough of your time, but please do send me your feedback. Let me know what you're thinking and drinking out there remember stay anti-prohibitionist uh other than that i don't give a shit who you vote for that's up to you that's your business um we don't get into that here because we're just here for a good time all right until next time cheers everybody goodbye